When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to part two of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. It is Tuesday, August 30th. In the first part, we went over the next level Rams, talked about how the former CSU football players fared on cut day. A couple of surprises as far as next level Rams go. Speaking of which, shout out to Stoney, our man Ryan Stonehouse, beat out Brett Kern for the starting punting role with the Tennessee Titans. Never a doubt. Never doubt that he had the abilities to make it. Just cool that it all played out and it, it worked out right for a guy who went about his business, you know, in the right way because it, it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, sometimes there are guys that are good enough, particularly, you know, at a wonky position like punter, and due to circumstance, they just aren't able to break into the league for whatever reason. Stony, year one, NFL starter. Love to see it. But on this part of the podcast, we're going to talk about the current Rams. CSU football opens the 2022 season this Saturday at the Big House. I unfortunately will not be in person for that one. I'll be in Denver, still trying to figure out travel schedule, flight costs, and everything else have made it pretty challenging. But you know, I'll still be providing the best coverage to my abilities. It'll be a practice, talking to people, and I'll obviously have plenty of post-game content, including a post-game pod takeaways, uh, game feature, and more. But today we're going to start to preview that matchup. We're going to talk about what we learned from Jay Norvell, what stands out to him about the Michigan Wolverines, and then we're going to dive into the depth chart a little bit. I don't really think there was... I mean, if you've been following me, if you've been following Kevin Lytle, I don't think there were a a ton of surprises on there, but we'll go through uh, everything. Real quick, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. What a steal. That's awesome. What you're going to want to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DNVR, get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game, That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, bonus issued as free bets, one early token issued at opt-in, money line bets only, deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Really wanted to start with this, uh... The very first thing I talked to of this football team was I asked Kyle to give me some statistics. And I asked him what CSU's record was the last six games, uh, the last five years. So the second half of the season, and of course, in 2021, it was 0 6. 
But overall, the last five years, CSU is 8-21 in the last six games, 5-7 in home games, so losing record at home. 3-13 and 13 in road games versus ranked teams, they're 0-2. When leading at the half the last six years in the second half of the season, they're 7-4. When tied at the half, they're 0-1. And when trailing at the half, they're 1-16 the last five years in the second half of the season. Just some other notes, trailed six games at half by two or more touchdowns. Three of the eight wins were against New Mexico. 0-5 versus Boise, 0-5, 0-4 versus Air Force. And, and I start that way, I started that way with our football team because obviously I was hired and our coaching staff and our current players have to ask the question, why? Why is this team not having more success, especially the second half of the season? Um, you know, football is about responding to adversity. It's about accountability. And we've always had teams that have improved and gotten better the more they practice. So that's a goal that we have. But I wanted to start off with that because I think that's where we are. And every, anywhere we go from here, we have to have a common understanding of how we do things and how we go about our business. And that's all we've been trying to do with this team the last few months is make them accountable, get them in great shape and, and, and great condition, have them really understand how important it is to care about one another and to go out and give their best effort in all that they do. So I think that's the floor that we start on right now. And I'm really, really excited about getting into our game week. You know, we're going to find out about our football team now as we start playing games. All right, that audio was Jay Norvell speaking at his weekly press conference on Monday. It's what he opened with. It's it's clearly a theme or a, a point of emphasis for the Rams this fall, and that is to finish the season better than they started. CSU in the, the second half of the year has just been absolutely brutal. Over the last half decade, in the back half of the schedule, meaning the final six games of the, the season, the Rams have gone just 8-21. and 0-4 against Air Force, 0-5 against Boise in those games. Three of their eight wins have come against New Mexico. And essentially, every game that's mattered, you know, the, the main conference games, the divisional matchups, the Rams have largely rolled over and, and been a doormat. I mean, when they've trailed at halftime, you know, they have not been able to dig themselves out of it. They just, they have not been a team that's been able, been able to respond to adversity not inside the game, not inside the season. And it's why they've been punched in the mouth and, and beaten by teams that they've had as much talent as, if not more talent than in, in certain situations. I mean, certainly some of those Wyoming teams. And it's got to change. If CSU is going to have any opportunity of, of riding the ship, of getting back into contention, you can't lose the games that matter year in and year out. It's what had everybody fed up with Mike Bobo. And outside of a, a weird 2020 border war win in an empty stadium, you know, Adazio didn't have much better luck. I mean, you look at the wins last year. Toledo was impressive. 
I guess, on the road. They weren't a great team. They were a bowl team. It's it's a nice win. But, I mean, you weren't able to win any of the matchups that really mattered. Homecoming. I'll give them credit. They They looked really good on homecoming. But that was early in the year. The second half of the schedule, they lost the final six games. Completely crumbled down the stretch. So, you know, going back to that point that that Norvell opened with, you know, I think the focus for this year needs to just be incremental improvements. There's there's just going to be moments where the inexperience shows. They're going to be a high-variance team. There's talent. They're more athletic. They're more exciting on both sides of the ball. But it's not going to be perfect. And the fact that they have this really, really challenging schedule doesn't do them any favors. I mean, opening at the big house is one thing, but Washington State is not going to be a picnic. Having to go to Nevada with all of the emotion and the energy that's going to be in that crowd and on that field, that's not a great way to open up conference play. And and just for the cherry on top, you you still get to go to Boise State, Air Force, and San Jose State. Those will be three of the top defenses in the conference. Because of the schedule, because of the fact that there's 59 new players on the team and that they're playing you know, new systems on, on both sides of the ball, you know, I, I think it could be a, a bumpy season just in the fact that I think there'll be, you know, great highs and, and great lows. Again, they're going to be a high variance team. But the hope should be that, you know, by the end of October, by November, this team is is starting to roll a little bit, a little bit. And it's not necessarily that they're winning every game. I'm not saying they need to close out, you know, 4-0 or anything like that. But, you know, finish strong. Be playing games that matter when the season is is coming to an end. You know, don't have a fan base that's completely checked out like they were essentially by November every year for the last six years. Show that you're making the right strides. You know, it, it could be a, a lot like CSU, although it didn't end up playing out this way. In, in 2008, in, in year one under Steve Fairchild, obviously they weren't able to build on the success after that, but it was it was a fun year. You know, you went 500, you go to the New Mexico Bowl, win a really, really fun game. And then 2013, you know, similar deal. That season started really weird. They had a fluky loss to Tulsa, lost at home to San Jose State, ended up recovering well down the stretch. You win the New Mexico Bowl. You go into 2014 and have a, a 10-win season. Had a great chance to win the league that year, you know, they would have beaten Air Force on the road, you know, would have had at least a share of the conference title. And they were in Boise too. They went to Boise early on in the year and it was kind of unfortunate. But anyways, you you just got to finish better than you've started. Show that you're making the right strides, play competitive games, you know, win some rivalry games, you know, beat Wyoming. Again, they look beatable. It would be cool to see CSU catch a perfect storm, similarly to Utah State, you know, maybe have some lucky breaks go their way, you know, win the league, shock everybody with all these new players. Yeah, that'd be epic. And I don't even think that that's an unrealistic scenario. Yes, if everything goes CS way, CSU's way, if they're able to, you know, work through some of the kinks earlier on in the year than I expect, you know, yeah, if you have everything go your way, they could totally be a team that does it, especially in a just a wonky year in this division. Like, I think Air Force is going to be solid, really, really good. I think Utah State's getting too much love. I think Boise State's getting too much love. Who knows with New Mexico, probably going to be really bad again. But if you beat the Lobos, you know, beat Hawaii at home, win the border war, maybe steal a game against San Jose State or Boise on the road, take that Nevada game. Yeah, any, anything could happen. Anything could definitely happen. You just, you don't want to bank on that. And if you go into the the year with the expectation of championship or bust, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed. 
But I do think this team is going to be fun. I think they're going to be competitive. And by the, the end of the season, they should have you know, a, a really solid team on, on both sides of the football and, and going into next season, assuming that they can you know, keep everybody in town. And that's a big question mark in the modern era. I think they could be really dangerous in 2023. So for me, you know, this season is, is kind of just about rejuvenating the fan base, getting the train back on track, starting to establish some positive momentum and slowly but surely, you know, improve the culture. It, it takes a while to learn how to win. You have to lose some of those fluky, you know, tight games where you have a shot and a late turnover or a missed opportunity on special teams or something. It's It really is a process. Very rarely are, are you just going to go into a, a new, you know, a new program and just immediately have success. It, it almost never happens. Not impossible. You just need a lot of things to go your way, much like what happened for Utah State last year. Anyways, I've talked about this long enough. I just really like that message from Norvell. I think it's a, a good lens to view the season through. And I think it, it just sets you up to be feeling good at the end of the season. Whereas if you go into it with the hope of, you know, 11 and 1, completely flip this thing immediately, you know, probably going to be disappointed. Just does not typically work out that way. Going to move on now, going to talk about some of the things that Jay Norvell highlighted as far as the strengths of Michigan. You know, mentioned that they're an experienced team. They're well-established, obviously. Much different than CSU with 59 new players. Before we get into that, Breckenridge Brewery, they have a birthday coming up, 32 years young, baby. To celebrate, Breck Brew is throwing a weekend-long hootenanny. Kick off the fall with live music, food, beer, of course, and games. This is going to take place October 8th and October 9th at their Littleton location. They've got national acts like the Spin Doctors and local favorites like Railroad Earth, Rockin'. It's going to be awesome. Stay tuned to everything DNVR for Hootenanny giveaways leading up to the event. It's truly going to be epic. I've been to a couple events out at the farmhouse, saw a ripe with Milky Chance out in June or back in June, I guess I should say. That would make a little bit more sense. Really cool space. They've got just a ton of vendors. There's a lot of room. They they do a great job of making sure there's lots of water available, air conditioning. You know, you can go in and cool off. That's always big for me with outdoor venues. I'm a sweaty guy. But it's just a really fun place to hang out on a weekend, kick back, you know, chill with your friends, listen to great live music, and drink some great local beer. I love Breck. I, I genuinely love them. If you followed me, you know that I bring Breck to all my family vacations. My girlfriend works for them. Half of my wardrobe is Breck at this point. I mean, it's pretty much just Breck and DNVR, but I, uh, I genuinely do love them. And I know you guys will have a great time if you make it out to this event. Works out well with CSU's schedule too, given that they play that Thursday night game that week. So go check it out. Hoot Nanny event on the 8th and 9th of October out at the Breckenridge Farmhouse in Littleton. Going to be a blast. Cool, 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 cool. Just some basics on Michigan. Offensively, they run the West Coast system, uh, very play-action heavy, lean on their, their strong running back. Blake Corum is a guy that Jay Norvell highlighted specifically. We'll talk about him and some other guys individually here in a sec. The defensive side, Michigan plays a 4-2-5, just like CSU. One of the things that Norvell really talked about is just the fact that they're a really strong team in all three phases. I think he was probably actually the most complimentary of their special teams, that it's one of the best and most complete special teams units that he's come across in quite some time. Not shocking there. I mean, Norvell is a, a big special teams guy. That was actually 
something that came up a, a couple of of times over the last week. You know, they're going to have starters playing on on special teams. You know, some teams they like to use that as an opportunity to get other guys on the field. You know, at the high school level, at the youth level, you probably do, but I mean, games can be won and lost via special teams, and nobody knows that more than the Ram fans after the last couple of years. My God. So I, I just think it's nice to have a lot more attention to detail there. Norvell raved about Tommy Perry and the, the job that he's done preparing these specialists and the special teams units as a whole. I don't think there's going to be anybody in Fort Collins that complains about the Rams having a special teams coordinator. It's It's been much needed. But that will be interesting to see if CSU can use special teams to their advantage, you know, in this one. Obviously, if you get in the red zone, if you have an opportunity to put seven on the board or six on the board, seven with the extra point, you've got to go for touchdowns, especially in a, a game like this. That said, you know, if you if you do make a long field goal or two, you know, if you can pin Michigan deep, make them drive the entire field. Field advantage is a is a big part about, you know, swinging a game. We saw it last year with CSU being able to hang at Iowa. You know, field position was a big part of that. Not that I'm saying anything groundbreaking here, but, I mean, you, you return a punt for a touchdown, it could completely break the game up when you allow Michigan to do one. That's just, you know, a, another way for them to break the game open. If if Michigan dominates via special teams, it'll, it'll be a long day. So I think that'll be a really one of the most important factors in the Rams being competitive in this one is just... Avoiding mistakes, you know, don't have penalties. You know, if you have a big return, don't have it go back for holding. You know, don't kick the ball out of bounds. Don't get a punt blocked like what happened at Florida. You know, you need the small things to go your way if you're going to keep it competitive. CSU was able to do that for the most part outside of, you know, the interception against Iowa. When they went down to Bama, you know, there weren't a ton of special teams mistakes that I can recall. In the 2013 game, Grayson did have an interception late in the second half that kind of allowed the, the Crimson Tide to pull away. But, you know, generally, you know, the Rams played fairly mistake-free in both of those games, and they ended up, you know, hanging around, making it interesting at least. And that's, you know, the realistic hope in this one. Obviously, it would be really cool to see CSU pull in Appalachian State going to the big house, you know, win a, win a crazy game when you're 30-point underdogs. Things like that do happen in college football. Um, but again, you know, it's going back to the, the theme of earlier and having realistic goals, realistic hopes for the season. Just be competitive, make some smart plays. Don't lose the game via special teams. If Michigan comes out and, and they run it down your throat and they very well, you know, they very well might do that, especially with the offensive line being the, the strength of their team, according to Norvell, and Blake Corum in the backfield being a stud. You know, then it is what it is. You got physically bested by a top 10 team out of the Big Ten that is coming off a college football playoff appearance. You know, I don't think you you lose a ton of sleep over that. You don't want to lay down. But if they wear you out over the course of the game, then, you know, that's kind of how the game is is supposed to play out. Where I'm kind of curious is, you know, does Michigan pass the ball a little bit with with their quarterback situation being weird? And if you're unfamiliar uh, McNamara, who started last year, he's going to start against CSU. J.J. McCarthy, much more dynamic athlete, dual threat guy, bigger arm. He'll start the Hawaii game week two, and then after that, they will determine who their starter is for the rest of the season. So essentially, they have made a decision that they will make a decision later. Because of that, though, you know, maybe 
Michigan throws it a little bit more than usual just because, you know, Harbaugh wants to test McNamara and see if he can, you know, consistently, you know, make good decisions, make, you know, good reads, move the chains through the air. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what it is. If, if they want to run the ball, they'll probably be able to do it all day long. Sometimes coaches overthink it, though. On the defensive side, much like the offense, Michigan's greatest strengths probably in the trenches. Defensive tackle Mazzy Smith is, is a guy who really stands out. Norvell really raved about him. Also talked about linebacker Junior Colson and corner DJ Turner. All of these guys played, you know, at, at times last year, but they're kind of stepping up. You know, that Michigan defense last year with Daxton Hill at safety, Aiden Hutchinson at defensive end, David Ajabo at edge. I mean, they were just so loaded all over the field. Now you have eight new starters on the defensive side, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. That said, when you look at the pedigree of, of some of these guys coming out of high school, when you look at what they did in a small sample size last year, these are these are legit NFL playmakers that Michigan has, you know, coming up to the ranks. It's kind of like Alabama, where you just assume the next guy in line is is going to be just as good as the one that came before him. But, you know, early on in the year, you know, eight new guys started on defense. Maybe the Rams can catch them off guard a little bit, you know, make some plays down the field, get them in their heads. You never know. That's that's usually how these games go when they're more competitive. You know, the underdog strikes early. The heavy favorite starts to get back on their heels, maybe compounds things with the turnover, force ball, something like that. You just want to bring the punch back ultimately, you know, like I said before, Michigan clearly has the the athletic advantage, the talent advantage, home field advantage, but keep punching. Keep punching for as long as you can. That's the hope. As Norvell explained, this is a team that's extremely physical. They're established. You know, they have people that have been key contributors in all three phases of the game. I just think you have to to match that intensity. You know, get after the quarterback. And Norvell talked about this. If if the Rams are going to be able to hang around in this one, You've got to get some sacks. You've got to get create some tackles for loss, some negative plays. You know, get them to second think things. If if they're just going for six, seven yards a pop, then they're just gonna really lean on that. You've got to be disruptive, you know, create turnovers. When you're on offense, you know, dictate the pace a little bit, move the chain, score points when you have opportunities. I mean, how many points did CSU leave on the board last year in the damn red zone? The Rams and elite is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but when you, at least statistically, CSU moved the ball really, really well between the 20s last year. I mean, they, they averaged a ton of yards per game. They just, they left so many points on the board. And in a game like this, when you're, you know, heavy underdogs, when you have an opportunity, when you're in the red zone or the green zone or the bonus zone or whatever the hell you want to call it, you've got to take advantage, you know, and in a game like this, there's some freedom. You know, if you're 31-point underdogs, you know, nobody's going to be surprised if you go for it on fourth and two, if you, you know, roll the dice a little bit. Because why not? You're playing with house money. But if Michigan is able to get that run game going, they're going for five, six yards a pop. They're using play action effectively off of it, and the Rams are not able to, you know, create tackles for loss, get some sacks, just be disruptive and, you know, dictate the tempo a little bit. And then on the other side, you know, they, you know, with, a new offensive line, redshirt freshman quarterback. If if things don't get going that way, and Michigan starts, you know, pinning their ears back, it could get ugly. It could definitely be, you know, like the Vanderbilt Hawaii game. I don't think that'll happen. I think CSU has enough talent to where they should at least be, 
you know, competitive enough in this game. And hopefully, you know, you can come away with it how you felt after the trips to Tuscaloosa where it's like, well, man, I mean, if we can play that well against them, imagine what, what we can do against the rest of the league. You know, some people, I, I get it. You know, there there was a point in time where CSU would have went into this matchup thinking, you know, fuck the Wolverines. You know, we're the, we're the Rams. You know, the, the peak years of Sonny Lubick, you know, you go into this game with a little bit different mindset. If this was year three or four under Norvell, you go into this game with a little bit of a different mindset. But with 59 new players... Game one, redshirt freshman quarterback, five new starters along the offensive line, new starters all along your defense too. It's just a tough ask. It's a really tough ask. All right, I'm going to wrap up this podcast here just with some rapid reactions to the week one depth chart. was actually surprised we got an official public one because Michigan in the past did not release one, so I didn't think CSU would either. Michigan did, so CSU did as well. Uh, QB1, Clay Millen, QB2, Giles Pooler. No shock there. I was actually able to talk with Pooler today. Talked with the other young quarterbacks last week. We'll get a feature out on that group here uh, in the coming weeks. In the backfield, Ajon Vivens starting running back along with Avery Morrow. That's kind of going to be like 1-1-A. Then, you know, you have David Bailey, who looks good. You know, he, he's moving well. He's in the mix as their third running back. I do think you'll see him on the field at times. He's not going to get the same workload that he got under Adazio, but he shouldn't. I mean, that's what limited his effectiveness. They essentially, you know, early on in the year, you know, he looked pretty good, especially in those first couple of home games. He was solid in the red zone and he just took too many hits, took too many hits, didn't have the legs by the end of the year and he was way less effective. Uh, Tanner Arkin, tight end one, Gary Williams, a guy who I think will play a lot as well. Having both of those guys is going to be huge. It just gives you some versatility with what you can do offensively. You can do some two tight end sets, and that should be big, you know, especially when you want to run the game. It opens up some play action opportunities. It just gives you more flexibility than if you only had one, you know, true tight end. Both of those guys can block a little bit. Neither of them are, are you know, the run blockers that Trey McBride was, but that's a tall, uh, tough task. Wide receiver, Torrey Horton, uh, Melquan Stovall, Ty McCulloch listed as the starters. But it, it's kind of semantics, guys. I had some, you know, I saw a lot of replies like, what the hell, like Dante Wright? Dante, you know, for all intents and purposes, is still a starting receiver. He's technically behind Melquan in that role. But that makes sense. They're very similar. You know, Melquan has been in the system much longer. But really, like, the top six guys are going to play a ton. And really, they'll probably play eight or nine receivers. So I, I just think freaking out over that is is a little bit silly. It's just a much different offense than than what we saw in the last couple of years. They're all going to play a ton. So, you know, no reason to panic there. And the same goes for the safety position. I saw a lot of crazy, you know, overreactions, hot takes about Jack Howell being listed as second on the depth chart. Um, he's going to play a ton, guys. That secondary is going to be really versatile. They all are going to move around a lot. Angel King who has been listed as a starting free safety literally since day one. I don't know why that's surprising to people. At times, they'll shift him over you know, to corner. He's actually technically the number two corner. That's what he played at in Nevada. So when he goes down to corner, you'll get Howell in. At times, you're going to move Blackburn down by the line of scrimmage. They're all going to play a lot. You know, Taiwan, you're starting nickel. The, the fact that you have really five guys that you can count on between um, when you look at Angel King, when you look at Howell, when you look at Francis, Blackburn, and Aiden Hector, I mean, all of those guys 
are people that you would trust. And that's a big strength for this team. And they're going to rotate a ton. You know, in the past, defensive starters were playing like 60 to 80 snaps a game. That's not going to happen for any of these guys. Banks doesn't coach that way. So I, I just wanted to cover that. I'm sorry, kind of all over the place as far as going from wide receiver to DB there. But I just kind of wanted to talk about it because those were the the common reactions I saw online. And I get it. You know, Howell is a guy who's a freshman All-American last year, son of a CSU legend, very talented player. He's going to play a ton. Dante Wright, obviously, has been a great Ram over the years. Extremely talented player. Going to play a ton. Don't freak out. Moving on to the defense. Oh, I guess real quick, uh, Brian Crespo starting left tackle. Really cool Fort Collins kid. Uh, Dante Bivens starting left guard. Jacob Gardner center. Gray Davis right guard. Dante Keys at right tackle. That's who it's been since spring ball. No surprises there. Um, as far as... Uh, the number two's UTEP transfer, Cameron Cooper, who came over in the spring already a number two on the depth chart at right guard, son of Broncos, legend Mark Cooper. Moving on to the defense, you've got CJ Onyeki, and you have got Mohamed Kamara as your starting edge rushers, defensive ends, outside linebackers. They're listed as defensive ends. Uh, when I talked to Onyeki, he called himself an outside linebacker. I would label him as an edge I don't know. That's that's the problem with all these different schemes. Starting at defensive tackle, you got Devin Phillips along with Cam Barreto, James Mitchell, Grady Kelly. They'll play a lot as well. A linebacker, Drew Kulik earns the starting nod over Cameron Carter. And again, Cameron's going to play a lot. I have just wrote that feature about how he's really pleased the coaching staff with the growth that he's shown since spring. The fact that he's lived up to the call. But it, it's impressive that Kulik has been able to stay on the field. He's a guy that moves really well, runs well. That's what the other linebackers compliment him for. I'm excited to see him and, and Daquan Jackson paired together. Again, though, we're going to see a lot of Cameron. Tavian Brown, you know, he should play quite a bit as well. That linebacking unit, they're, they're going to need to stay healthy. I think those top four guys can be pretty solid. Don't have a ton of depth behind them. I know that's a position that, you know, the staff would like to Continue to add depth that moving forward, but shout out to Drew Kulik. Always cool to see a redshirt freshman walk on, earn their way into the starting lineup. Uh, Chiggy, Chigose Anusium, starting corner. On the opposite side, you've got Greg Lede, who came over from Northern Colorado. We'll also see plenty of Brandon Guzman, DeAndre Greeley. Again, King will play some corner. King and Blackburn, your starting safeties, but again, we're going to see plenty of Howell. Taiwan Francis starting nickel behind him. You've got Robert Floyd. I am interested to see what happens at the uh, the kicker position. It's listed as Caden Camper or Henry Cattleman, who came over from Oregon. Um, you know, Camper got injured in the spring, so I think he hasn't you know fully been himself. I do think it'll be him. I would imagine they at least start with with Camper, assuming that he's healthy, and then. You know, maybe make a change later if they have to. Uh, punter, you've got Patty Turner. Holder, also Patty Turner behind him. Matt Greenwald, that one was kind of interesting. Boise State transfer receiver, the backup placeholder. I like that because it could provide some opportunities uh, for a fake kick. You know, Joe Hansley used to be really good at that back in the day. Uh, kick returner, you're going to see a variety of people. Sometimes it'll be Moro, sometimes it'll be Panunzio, sometimes it'll be Stovall. You might see some Vivens back there. Same thing with punt returns. You know, sometimes it'll be Stovall. Sometimes it could be Panunzio. But I would imagine Stovall will be the, the starting punt returner. 
We're, that's all we have for today. We'll have plenty of more content coming out between now and Saturday previewing this matchup with Michigan. I'm going to get Jake Schwanitz, our Buffs guy, on here tomorrow. I think he is a Michigan fan, so it, it's good to get his perspective on the game. Just somebody who has a little bit more direct knowledge of the team. Looking forward to that. Shout out to all of you for continuing to support my content. It's great to have football season back. Uh, come through to the DNVR bar if you are looking for a place to watch the game. We open at 9 a.m. We, we, we were only going to have a limited menu. We, we still have the grand reopening coming up, so this is kind of a trial run. But it was really important to us to still have you know, the spot open for college football fans, so we'll be open on Friday and Saturday for the Buffs and Rams game. It's going to be a lot of fun. going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait for you guys to see it. I can't wait until we have that place rocking full of CSU fans. It's just such a cool experience when everybody comes together. All right, that's all I have for today. Much love, y'all. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new Prada jeans. And we ain't spoke in a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days, they put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored, that's what I'm here for Talk to me softly, till I get a little more Attached to the fact that you reply so quickly Dash and retract only when you get sick of me Sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches I was out there floating, all them feelings felt indigenous To places I don't visit, heart eyes when I'm grinning Heart eyes and them emojis You said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely You can't count on me like a bank teller counter ain't never felt prouder never holding back don't got a front when i'm around her i want to listen more like maybe i should say less i'm not sure how to make an album this is just my best guess my best friends are producers send me beats i bump the playlist imagine all the hours ableton was stuck on repeat all for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me sb 404s and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf i weigh a lot on promises that sound like maybes my contact's still just numbers but in person call me baby like why i fall in love with every Every girl that wanna date me Introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes but it sounds like everything And the peaches out from Palisade and they sweet as mama's marmalade And this shit sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were
were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to leave But I'm still thankful for these days They put a smile on my face